Hello and welcome to Talking Papers, the podcast where we talk about papers and let the papers do the talking. Today we have the paper Icon, Implicit Clothed Human Obtained from Normals. And I'm happy to host Yuliang Shi. Hello, Yuliang, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's Zeke, and uh, I'm very happy to be invited to uh, talk about our recent paper. So this paper was accepted to CVPR 2022. So it's hot off the press, very fresh, very new. The actual print version, camera-ready version wasn't even submitted yet. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Yuliang Xu, and uh, for now, I'm a second-year PhD student at Planck Institute for Intelligent System. And uh, uh, my advisor is uh, Michael J. Black. And uh, uh, before I uh, moved to Tübingen, I was a PhD student at the University of Southern California, working with Haoli. And uh, for now, my research uh, interest mainly lies in the 3D human digitalizations, uh, uh, digitalization, and uh, including but not limited to uh, reconstruction and the modeling, animation, etc. Yeah. And who are the co-authors of this paper? Oh, there are uh, four authors, and uh, I'm the first author, and the second author is uh, Jinlong Yang, and third author is uh, Dimitris, and uh, both Jinlong and Dimitris are the postdocs in our group, and the last author is my advisor, Michael, yeah, Michael Jigdak. In a TLDR kind of format, let's dive into the abstract. What is this paper about? Uh, the main focus of this paper is to reconstruct the, uh, the 3D closed humans from the molecular input. The molecular input means the colored image or the videos. You have an RGB image of a human and yeah. you want to reconstruct that human with his clothes on. Yeah, and with all the details like the clothes wrinkles and the haircuts and with the help of the NPC functions, which are very hot topic in the computer vision community during these years. Right. So why is this an, impo- an important problem? Like, where can you use this? It's a research both in the industry and academia. Like in the industry, there's a long way to explore how to reconstruct the humans from the, in the wild inputs and uh, like the molecular videos uh, for like, uh, there's an application which name is the teleportation. Uh, people want to teleport the, the, the 3D closed humans from one place to another place. So the, the reconstruction is the first step. And uh, for the academia, a main focus of my advisor is to understand the whole world from the uh, video or from the image. So how to reconstruct the humans in great details is a important step to understand this world or understand the videos on the internet. What are the main challenges when tackling this type of problem? Before the icon, there are several papers uh, focused on this topic. I think you must know the PIFU HD. And also before PIFU HD, there's PIFU, and Pamiya, all such kind of works are working on to reconstruct detailed close humans from the image. But most of them cannot generalize well on challenging poses because the, the training data sets are mainly the standing uh, pose or the fashion pose. So the, the model trained on this kind of data set cannot generalize well on the uh, unseen pose like dance or the sports or the parkour. Um, that's the problem. And uh, this is also what the icon focus on. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is where most existing methods fail or struggle is to generalize to these kind of extreme extended poses. 
and yeah, yeah. your method is is right there to address this specific problem. Yeah, and uh, also there's a very intuitive solution, which is we can in- increase the data set, like we can buy a more a high quality render people uh, scans for the training uh, with all kinds of poses. But uh, there's uh, there's two limitations. First one is uh, the the render people is very expensive. Um, like I think it's 80 euros for one rigid person. So it's very expensive. And on the other hand, the number of the commercial 3D humans are still limited. And for some motions like the the, the parkour or the, the, the sports, they are very hard to uh, capture because the, the motion is very fast. You cannot capture with some uh, 4D scanners. Um, so even though we can buy more data set, we're still thinking about how to improve the the robustness by changing the uh, the framework instead of using more data. Like every problem in our deep learning world, right? You throw more more data at the problem, it should be able to generalize better. But in this oh, case, yeah. it's really hard and really expensive to get that data into uh, an actual system or just to capture that that high quality data that you need to for training. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk more about their related work. So. Before anybody wants to read your paper, which papers would you suggest them to read and what are they about? In this field, the using EPC functions to do the human reconstruction, I think the first paper is Python, of course. Uh, Python is the first uh, one to introduce EPC functions in closed human reconstructions. And then the first author of Python, uh, Shrinsky, has a, a, the second paper, uh, which name is PyFHD. The main focus of PyFHD is to improve the, the details by using the 4K image and with, with the help of the normal image, uh, the, predict, uh, the normal prediction, with the help of normal prediction. And then, actually, at that time, the people uh, already realized that uh, the Python is not robust to any pose. So they are thinking about, mm, maybe we can introduce some geometry prior into this problem. Like we can using the SMPL, uh, the simple into the uh, into the whole framework. Uh, so uh, the Pamia and S three and uh, also the GeoPyFu uh, were trying to introduce try try to introduce the geometry prior into the this problem. Problem. Uh, I, I tried some uh, like I tried the Pamia on the very challenging pose, and I give Pamia the accurate simple simple body mesh. But it, can, it still cannot generalize well on the unseen pose. And I think the main reason is all these previous works use global encoders. They use global encoders to encode the features from the image, uh, to encode the global feature from the 3D voxels. But all of them use these global encoders. But global encoders, to make the global encoder really generalize, can generalize well on the unseen pose, you training it on a large scale data set. So the main contribution of ICON is just remove the global encoder. Just forget about the global encoder. We just use local features to, to solve this problem. And that's doable. And that's the key inside of ICON. Mm-hmm. So now let's dive into the approach. So how do you do it? There are two main modules of, uh, in ICON. Uh, the first one is we want to get a very detailed and correct normal image from the input RGB image. Uh, this is the first module. And the second module is with this detailed closed image and also with the a simple body mesh, 
uh, we use uh, their local features to regress the implicit surface. And uh, finally, use a machine cube to get the final mesh from the implicit field. That's all. <laughs> okay, uh, that was too fast yeah. even for me. Let, let's try that again. You get an, an input RGB image, right? Yeah, we have an RGB image, and uh, we try to predict the normal image from this RGB image. Right. So that's where it kind of splits into two, right? You get a normal image for both the front and back kind of views, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's one thing. In the Python HD, they also predict the front and the back normal image. But the input of Python HD is only the RGB image. Uh, but for mm -hmm. Icon, we also render the front and back normal image from the simple body. Mm. So we concate the body normal uh, the body normal image and the RGB image together and try to predict the closed normal image. And the reason mm -hmm. why we use the this this body normal image is because the the simple body uh, already provides many uh, geometry informations about how the how the human look like, how the human shapes the the the, the pose. Uh, and so we think with this geometry prior, the normal prediction will be more robust. And we do some experiments in this paper, and uh, our conclusion is yes, this geometry prior makes sense. Okay, so okay. you have your RGB images input. You first get this kind of the the pose estimate from like the simple pose estimate, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Then you get like these two uh, normal estimates from the simple code for both the front and back without yeah. the close, right? Because the simple doesn't have the code, the close. <clears throat> yeah, yes. Then you have like this building block architecture that you use to to go from this normals from the simple model oh. into the closed normal predictions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for every point in the 3D space, we just query the normal vector and the SDF of a body mesh and use these features to for the implicit regression. Right, okay. So, so you take those normals that you have, now you start throwing points in 3D space, and yep. you train uh, an implicit function, implicit model as a neural network, of course, to get this final. It's not a sign distance in this case, right? It's an indicator function, like it's an occupancy, yeah. group, right? The, the final output is not SDF; it's still an indicator function. And uh, um, but what? But we uh, use the SDF uh, computed from the simple body, and for every point, uh, like okay, let me explain this way. Uh, for every point in the 3D space, we firstly use this 3D point to query the closed normal vector and to query the body normal vector and to query the SDF value uh, defined on the simple body. And then we have seven uh, dimensions of the features. We just use these uh, seven dimension features to regress the implicit surface. Okay, so using yeah. all of the information that you gather along the way, both the simple body normal Closed normal and uh, SDF from the simple model. Body. Yeah. yeah. So simple body. And then you, you use an implicit function to regress and you get an indicator function, which you then can feed into like a marching cube algorithm to get the, yeah. the, the reconstructed mesh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There is a point about visible points and invisible, like front and back points that you like this kind of trick that you do there right for the close normal image and the body normal image we also have the front and the back right 
So for in, in icon for every point in the three D space, we just calculate the visibilities according to the camera position. And then mm -hmm. for the visible points, we use the front normal. For the invisible points, we use the back normal. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a way of making it consistent, right? Because normals can, there's like the ambiguity problem with normal directions. So this is why it's important to know if the point is on the front or the back. So you, you get consistent normals all over. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. A lot of details. So, so let me recap again, just to make sure that I got it right this time. Okay. Okay. You get an input LGB image, you get the simple pose body shape estimate, right? Then yeah. you can have like a front and back normal image based on this simple body. Yeah. Then you feed those normals into a, into two networks, right? One for the front, one for the back to get an yeah. estimate for the closed normals. Then you query every pro point in 3D space and try to figure out if it's in the front or the back, like if you see it or not. So then you have seven dimensional vector that you use to train the network, which includes the SDF value, the three normal components for the simple body, and then another three normal components for the clothed body. Yeah. Right? And how yeah. do you train this? So what is the loss for the regression? Uh, the loss is just the, uh, the same as the, all the previous works. The, just L1 to regress the occupancy value, 0 or 1. Inside is uh, 1 and outside is 0. It's, all, it's just an L1 loss. Yeah. Okay, so just an L1 loss on the occupancy to train all of this. Yeah. Okay. But th there are additional losses uh, right, I, there's like a VGG loss and a pixel loss, and we also use the VGG loss and the R1 loss for uh, to train the uh, normal network, the mm -hmm. the networks where, uh, which used to, to predict the closed normal image from the body normal image. Right, is this trained separately or end to end? Uh, that's separately. Okay, so you first train the normal, the closed normal prediction component. Once yep. you have that. You freeze that, and then you train the occupancy one with the occupancy loss that we just mentioned. Exactly. I think there's a very important component because we use some off-the-shell post-estimation to estimate the simple body, right? But uh, there's no guarantee that this estimate pose is correct. So mm -hmm. we just propose a new feedback loop, which you can use to, to optimize the simple body and the closed normal iteratively, which means the closed normal image can be used to optimize the post parameters. And uh, with the refined post parameters, we have a better body mesh, and this better body mesh will in turn improve the closed normal uh, image. So that's a feedback loop. So you first get the, the estimate for the body pose, right? But maybe yeah. that's what, that's incorrect. You compute the clothed body normals, just like we said before, but then you use those to see if they match the, like the body one, right? So if they don't yeah. match well, you, you optimize the body based on the normals. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you do that iteratively. How many iterations do you, do you do in the, this optimization? Is this like a long one or like a few iterations and, and you kind of just fine tune it? 
I uh, in my experiments, I just use uh, 50, 50 iterations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and also, if you use more iterations, like 100 or 200, of course, you can get a better uh, final reconstruction results, but it will take long, longer time. And this feedback loop you do after you trained everything, right? Yes, or... it's uh, only used during the testing. So that component is only during testing. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting idea, right? So because you're using an off-the-shelf pose estimator, it doesn't guarantee to give a good estimate. So you're actually using the closed normal prediction network that you have that works well to adjust the body pose and get an overall better performance. Actually, I tried several uh, pose estimation methods like the pair, uh, the PyMath, and the Pixie. They all have their advantage. Like the pixie is good for the hands and the expression, and the pair has the better uh, performance on the uh, on the occlusion uh, cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but uh, PyMath is pretty stable, um, but none of them can satisfy all the cases. Uh, in my release code, I provide all them three. Uh, so if you like, mm-hmm. if you test your image on the PyMath and it does not work very well, you can just uh, change it to the Pixie and to see what will happen. It happens a lot, right? Every method has its own benefits and you sometimes need to pick and choose which one you use depending on the application or the specific image or problem that you're working on. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the experiment section. So how do you even evaluate this Task. First of all, I think I need to first talk about the, the how 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 the PyFu or the, the previous works uh, do these evaluations. Most of them do, do the evaluations on the render people dataset and also the buff dataset. The buff is uh, with the dynamic 3D close humans, but there's one limitation, which is the the, the buff is is not very uh, not a very big dataset, and uh, the motions are quite limited. And also the render people they only use uh, fifty. 50 render people scans for the testing. But we want to uh, prove that ICON is more robust to the unseen poses. Uh, so I just uh, use another data set, which name is CAPE, C-A-P-E. And the uh, CAPE data set is, is bigger than the buff with more uh, motions, and uh, some of them are very challenging. So I just split the CAPE data set into two parts. One part is with the easy pose. The easy pose is quite similar to the render people. Uh, the standing pose and the fashion pose is quite similar to the render people. And another part is, I just call it a hard pose. The hard pose means their, uh, the pose distribution of this data set is quite different with the pose di- distributions in render people. So I test all the related wor- works like PyFu, Pamiya, Icon, and the different modification of Icon in this data set. And the metrics includes like uh, the chamfer distance and the point to surface distance, and also the normal consistency. So and let's to, spend a second on what do the, these metrics evaluate. So the chamfer distance, you basically measure the this is between two sets, right? So one set is your input, but in this case the input is an RGB, so an RGB. Uh, image. No, no, no. The the chamfer distance uh, was defined between the reconstructed mesh, mesh and the ground truth mesh. So also uh, both the chamfer distance and the point to surface distance just to evaluate how close the reconstruction and the ground truth mesh are similar to each other. 
Right. So and because in these in the, these data sets, you have an, a ground truth mesh, and you can yeah. compare to that, right? In yeah. both directions, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the other metric that you mentioned, the point to surface, oh. it's just a one-directional chamfer distance, right? So point to surface is from your output to the original ground truth mesh, and chamfer is that plus from the mesh to, to the output of the method. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And the normal consistency was defined on, we just render the uh, reconstruction and the, the render the normal image uh, from the different view of the reconstruction and also the, do the same case on the ground truth mesh and just compare the, the image difference. If we can perform better on the normal consistency, which means the details are better. Yeah, because they are, uh, the metrics is not consistent with each other. Uh, in some cases, the chamfer distance is better, but the normal consistency is not that good. The chamfer distance and the point-to-surface distance uh, mainly focus on the, uh, to ev evaluate the similarity between the two mesh, especially the human pose. If the human pose is correct, the chamfer distance and the point-to-surface distance are uh, pretty small. And, but the normal consistency mainly focus on the details on the mesh. So if the details are correct, the normal consistency will be smaller. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so, so the chamfer distance and the point to surface basically quantify how good you are regarding to, to the general pose and maybe a little bit on the mesh, but not, not too much on the details. And, and the normal consistency basically quantifies how good you are on the details, like the cresses and the clothes, the, the small details on the clothes and all of those components. Yeah, one for cross shift, one for geometry details. And what did you find then? There are several findings. First of all, the uh, we tried to evaluate the, the Pamiya with the ground truth simple body. And uh, we also evaluated icon with estimate or with the noise simple body, but with the refinement module. The refinement module means the iteratively uh, refinement module. But the final results show that the icon with the refinement module performs better than the Pamiya with ground truth simple body. So mm -hmm. which means um, the refinement module uh, was pretty good. So it can give us a very accurate Pamiya post estimation. And another finding is that we try to combine the PyFu with icon. We also add a global encoder in icon the, uh, the input of the global encoder is the input uh, RGB image and the closed normal, and to try to output some features which will uh, fed into the implicit functions, and but the performance uh, decreased. So which means uh, the local features is very important in icon. So the global encoder is not that necessary. We can just remove that. That's a very interesting finding, right? Because because most previous method use that global encoder and yeah. it actually turns out that it's better to have all of those use all the local features actually instead of global ones yeah which brings me to the question that all of this training data is it's all synthetic right you have the renders generating the algebra ima images and like the background is very flat and and the meshes are they're very nice and smooth right and you have all the ground truth how does this generalize to in the wild examples what happens when you take an image not rendered like from an actual photo and that's a good question. First of all, the render people, if you uh, look into the render people scans, it's uh, pretty high quality. 
and with all the wrinkle details with perfect albedo texture. So at the beginning, we firstly tried to generate the synthetic data, which is very realistic, photorealistic, to make sure it's uh, similar to the in the wild images. And uh, on the other hand, during the inference, we just remove the background. We use some uh, segmentation uh, method. Uh, it's an uh, open source tool set. It's very, it's very useful uh, for our project, which name is uh, Remove BG, R-E-M-B-G. And uh, this package can remove the background for the images with the general background, not very complicated background. The remove BG can work pretty well. So we just use it to remove the background. This, this helps a lot. Uh, for the final reconstruction results. Yeah. What about attacking the problem from the other way, right? You, you tried to remove the background to have it match the rendered images, but have you tried for the rendered images just to generate like a random background every time, like just take an image uh, from anywhere and, and yeah, put it yeah, good in question. the background? And uh, this is exactly what the PyFHD did. Uh, oh, okay. PyFHD, yeah, they, they generate the random background uh, using the MS Coco. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, they train the network uh, without any uh, a background remover, and uh, but in there, if you uh, look into the uh, the the GitHub README, there's a sentence like, uh, "If you cannot get a good reconstruction, please use Remove BG to remove the background." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, which means for now, the uh, the the implicit function based method cannot work really well for all kinds of different backgrounds. So. So this is the reason why I just add these segmentations in, in our framework. I think it works well. And uh, Remote BG can give us a very clear foreground human person. Is there any surprising outcome, something you didn't expect in the experiment that you stumbled upon? Oh, yeah, there's one. Uh, because during the testing, we, ha- we already talked about the quantitatively results. But for the qualitatively comparison, we just collect uh, some images from the Pinterest uh, website uh, with challenging posts. And some of them are cartoons. <laughs> they are not <laughs> the realistic images. They are cartoons uh, or uh, caricature uh, images. Uh, and then we just test icon on these images, and it works well. <laughs> oh, that's really well, surprising. It's, it's, it's also uh, amazing uh, for me. Because I didn't expect that they can work, uh, they can icon can work well on these cartoon images. But I think the 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 main reason why the icon can work on this image is because the current state of the art post estimation method can work on this part. Uh, so in during my experiment, I find if the post estimation totally failed, like the head is on the wrong directions, or the, there's a serious misalignment between the legs and the silhouettes. Uh, the final reconstruction is not reliable. So it's totally, totally crashed. As long as the post-estimation is roughly aligned with the image, and then Icon can firstly do the refinement to make a better pose and then do the reconstruction from the input image. That works well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting find. Okay. Conclusions and future work. So how do you see the impact of the paper going forward? And what interesting project do you think still lie ahead? First of all, I hope the more and more people can use Icon to test their test on their images. And this is the reason why I released a Google Colab in our GitHub GitHub page. And so anyone can upload their images on that and to test their images. And uh, as for the future words, I think there are several 
directions. First of all, we can improve the icon to like we can do an icon plus plus to improve the details and uh, the close details and to make the reconstruction more stable and uh, it can generalize well on more challenging poses. And uh, also there, there's a limitation for current version of the icon, uh, which is if you run the code, you will find that the predict normal image is quite good with all the details, but the final reconstruction mesh is not that good. So there's a quality gap between the normal image and the geometry mesh. Moving on to my favorite part of the podcast. What did reviewer two say? Please share your experience from the review process. I can tell you the scores of this paper. Uh, during the review, there, there are three reviewers and the two reviewers give us a weak accept and another reviewer give us a weak reject. And, but after rebuttal, uh, we have uh, three weak accept or two weak accept, one borderline accept. The main reason why the reviewer two have give us the weaker reject is because they feel that we need to use some simulated data. Like the simulated data means the render people are captured data. So the render people just, uh, the people use the multi-view camera to capture the uh, the person where we find details, but uh, and, the, and the perfect uh, arbido. Um, but the, the reviewer two said, we need to use some human mesh, which are simulated by the blender. There are some uh, such kind of data sets, but for the previous methods, all the previous methods, also including the icon, all use the capture data for to generate the images. The reason is the simulated human mesh didn't have so much details. And also most of them didn't provide the textures with fine details. The simulated uh, human meshes uh, with the textures, uh, the textures are with uh, limited colors, like mm -hmm. all red uh, t-shirts, all blue pants. So they didn't contain various uh, different textures, but that is pretty necessary for our trainings. We want to our model can generalize well on the in-the-wild images. And the, the clothes in the wild are are quite uh, changing a lot. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand why they would ask that. Like, it's a naive question, right? So why not just use a lot of simulated data that you can generate as many as you want, and then you don't have the, the data scale or the number of examples problem. But fact is that if you generate synthetic data, it's just not reliable enough, right? It, the clothes are not fine detailed enough. You don't have the wrinkles. You don't have all those details. And even if you yeah. do have some of it, then the lighting effects are not great. And like the, the clothes are not there, there's not, there aren't enough variations in this data to, to generalize, right? And this is what you want. You want to generalize to in the wild examples from any camera anywhere. Yeah, um, and also uh, most of the synthetic data didn't have haircut and didn't have any shoes. They have mm -hmm. some close wrinkles. Of course, they have some wrinkles, but it's a very close wrinkles. There is a domain gap between the synthetic data and the captured data. The captured data has very fine details. And, and also they have a, a second, they feel that uh, we need to compare with ARC, uh, ARC++, uh, which is uh, two related works from Facebook. And actually, uh, after the submissions, we just give all the test images to the Facebook Reality Lab, and they just give us the reconstruction mesh. So we just add, add this image into the rebuttal document. And uh, But the reason why we didn't compare it before the submission is because they didn't release any code. <laughs> <laughs> so, we mm -hmm. can, of course, we can reproduce their 
uh, methods, but uh, it's a little hard. And, uh, and due to the time limitations, we didn't uh, finish that. So after the submission, we just uh, send the images to their researchers and they give us the reconstruction method. And uh, thanks for their help. Yeah, it's always hard when you're asked to compare to a method that didn't release the code. It's very nice that they actually got your data and were able to run it and send it back so you, you can report a comparison. But yeah, it's always like, I think one of the things that made the field the way it is today, that, you know, that it's going forward so fast is the fact that people are publishing their code and making it available for everyone. So you can A, learn from it, but B, have like a fair comparison to it and you can actually make significant progress. Yeah, yeah. I just released the code and also with the Google Colab. So everyone can test your image on our Google Colab. And also, uh, for now, there, the release code only contains the test part. Um, but we will release the training code and also the data processing code uh, in the near future. And also, ICON re- reproduced the Python uh, and Pamiya in the same framework. So in the future, if you want to like train your data set on the Python, Pamiya, and ICON, and uh, to report the final uh, evaluation uh, numbers, you can just use the ICON because ICON contains all the all these three methods uh, in the same framework. Oh, this is awesome. Like, you're awesome yeah. for doing this. You know, th- this is one of the things that, you know, it's not trivial. Like, writing good code is hard. Cleaning it up is hard. Making it publicly available takes time and effort to maintain it. And the fact that you did that and did this Google Colab that anybody can just take their images and put it on there and, and test it and play with it, I think it's super important. It's one of those awesome things that keep pushing the field forward. So kudos on that. Thank you. And also the 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 the, the reason I want to re- why I reproduce them is the Paifu and the Pamiya, all kinds of different they didn't release their code. Um, but they use different data set and uh, they use different training strategy. So uh, there are a lot of difference in their methods. So to uh for a fair comparison, I just merged them in my framework. So for now, the only difference is the method, method or the network configurations. All the other parts like data loader, uh, the training strategy, and the, the training data set are all the same. So in this way, we can see that we make a, a fair comparison with all these methods. And also yeah. I will uh, release all these code so people can do the same in the future. Because I think different labs have different data sets. So they must they want to evaluate on their data sets. I would say this is another important contribution of this paper that you created this standardization of the problem, you know? I mean, I know it a lot from the field of um, 3D point cloud processing and classification that in the beginning, the field was like a mess. Everybody would do, would take whatever data set, do their own augmentations, use whatever, like it was a mess. Everybody did uh, something else. And then at some point, everybody kind of converged into this one standardized approach. And it seems yeah. like Icon did that for, for this problem. And that's, I think that's a huge oh. contribution to, to the field as well. Oh, thank you. At least oh. for the community. <laughs> All right, then I think we have everything covered. Thank you very much for agreeing to be a part of this podcast. And until next time, let your papers do the talking. Thank you for listening. That's it for this episode of Talking Papers. Please subscribe to the podcast feed on your favorite podcast app. All links are available in this episode description and on the 
Talking Papers website. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, sponsor it, or just share your thoughts with us, feel free to email talking.papers.podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in every week for the latest episodes. And until then, let your papers do the talking.